You know a lot about golf. It's time for us, us being those weekend golf guys. Actually, it's we being those weekend golf guys, but uh, grammar is something we don't practice here very much. In fact, we don't practice here very much at all, which is a great subject that we are going to jump into in just a little bit. I have John Ashton in the studio. He is Jeff Smith, golf instructor extraordinaire in the golf cave in, uh, let's, let's pick a city, Edinburgh, Indiana. All right. Sound right to you? Let's call it Edinburgh, Indiana. Let's for right call now. it that for right now and forevermore, if we want to. And we are here for the next hour to talk about golf and uh, various and sundry applications of the game. I was reading a thing today. You know, this weekend is the um, what is it? The PG, not the PGA Championship. It's uh, what's the big one going on this weekend? Why can't I remember it? It is a PGA the, Championship. Yes, PGA Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was They're the world. Even St. Louis. It was a World Golf Championship last weekend. PGA Championship this weekend. Yeah. And um, I was reading that that folks are all a Twitter out there in St. Louis because they have spotted some real life PGA professional golfers playing practice rounds in shorts. <gasps> Yo, say it ain't so. Oh. Yes. They're all aghast, aren't they? They are. They are. They See, up till this point, I don't think people realize that PGA professional golfers actually head knees. They do. They, they actually do. have entire legs. They do. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And They have entire legs. And if somebody wants to take those shiny white legs or the tanless legs because they've been encased in long trousers their entire year so far and show them off to the world more power to them <laughs> and that's just another one of the stupid stupid rules you know it is just one of those things that that is a as a tradition yeah it's of, not even a rule is it golf profession no it's not a rule yeah, it's, it's a just tradition, tradition. It's an etiquette now and and so out there on the on the tour it's more of a rule than it is say within the pga but there's an awful lot of pga members who wouldn't dream of wearing shorts like to teach golf lessons right or to work around the golf shop or any of that mm -hmm. because the image of a professional is not one where we show off our knobby knees and our uh no tanned uh, calves. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And so it is just that way. But yet people would say, well, if you wore shorts more often, you'd actually have some sun on those legs. You would. And you wouldn't be embarrassed to go to the beach. You would not. When you do actually get, that's right. Yes. So we get that. Yeah. But nonetheless, there is that thing that's out there. And it's a, I don't know, it's somewhat of a stigma in the, in the, the golf professional world of we're not wearing shorts. So, and, you know, the truth is, is I'm not wearing shorts because you really don't want me to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because my wife has gone through the closet and thrown them all away. Well, you know, it's either that or I have to hand a whole bunch of people some sunglasses. <laughs> um, so and that's we're, just how it is. We're a PGA professional to show up during a tournament round in shorts 
Would they uh, attack him the same way you were attacked in Scotland for having five people with a simple tisk tisk? We just don't do that here. No, I think it'd be worse. Okay. Actually, by the way, um, to the to those people in Scotland mm-hmm. uh, who who were absolutely aghast at the fact that we uh, we played five. Yeah. We started off as two and three. Right. And the pace of play was so slow in front of us that we waited and waited and waited together on the tee boxes yeah. and then decided, well, let's just keep playing. Exactly. And the, and the fellow that was in a foursome uh, three holes in front of us as we passed him and he got a little irritated because we were playing five and they just don't do that. Again, my statement is this. If you're so concerned about what's going on in the golf course behind you, maybe you should play a little faster. Exactly. <laughs> Had you not been playing so slowly, this would not be necessary. That's right. So serve you right to suffer, baby. Serve you right. Well, it just, it just uh, like I said to the, the other guys, you know, they, I said, we've just offended their sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're gone, aren't you? Hello. So of those people, we've just offended their sensibilities as Scottish people because it's just not done mm. that they play in five people mm-hmm. because that's not one of the formats of golf that they recognize. Right. They have, it's okay if they have a one ball out there, a single, and it's okay if they have a two ball or a three ball or a four ball. Right. Heaven forbid there's any more than four. One must not exceed the number four. However, I pose this question to you. Yeah. Can anybody who gave the world haggis actually have sensitivities at all? I don't know. That's the question we will ponder. Right. We have many questions to ponder that take into consideration a lot of the stuff we've talked about here in general. Uh, etiquette. Rules practice rounds and anything else we can think of to entertain regale and instruct you because that's what we're here for somebody once said john who listens to your program i've told them good golfers bad golfers sort of golfers wannabe golfers and folks who have golf clubs gathering dust in their garage that's right all of the above so should that describe you if you fit into any of those little categories i uh, heartily suggest you stick around because we're coming right we are those weekend golf guys don't you move Promised we'd be back, and lo and behold, here we is. John Ashton in studio, Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave at um, Timberwood. Uh, Timbergate Timber Golf Course Gate. in Edinburgh, Indiana is where I'm currently sitting. The gate is made of wood, so I wasn't totally Absolutely. wrong. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> it's not metal gate. It's not plastic gate. It's not water gate. It's okay. not water gate. <laughs> <laughs> Onward we go, okay? Um, we're, we were talking some some rules there have rules. been there have been many rule faux pas it seems this year in um, some of the uh, televised 
golf events that we have been watching. Looks like there's going to be some uh, potential for some more because there are going yeah. to be some rules. We've talked about this on, on uh, earlier shows. There have been some rules that are going to be relaxed, some of which Jeff does not take kindly to. As um, Some of them, no. Yeah. Some of them, no. I understand. I, I get it. I understand what they're trying to do, and some of them I applaud them for it. Right. And others, it doesn't quite seem fair to those of you who are more accomplished than those of us who have never worked at it or practiced hard. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I'll leave it at that. There are going yes. to be some rules coming up uh, this beginning of uh, 2019 that the uh, the professionals are not going to take kindly to at all. It seems that the USGA once again has jumped in with both feet and said, hey, we don't think that's right. And they are going to limit substantially the use of green reading materials, whether it be booklets, maps, or anything like that. And um, I think a lot of a lot of folks are going to be kind of upset. So here's a thought. Yeah. In my opinion, what they're doing is saying the game that has always evolved can no longer evolve in terms of how you prepare yourself to play the course. Mm -hmm. Because there's no real technological advantage. All they've done is acquired knowledge about the, the slopes right. and write them down. Yeah. Now, whether they did it by having their caddies walk on the greens, draw pictures, draw arrows all over the place going this amount of slope here, this amount of slope there, all they've done now is slowed up play. Mm -hmm. And here's why. In the same vein that the USGA does not allow any rangefinders to be used on the golf course. Mm -hmm. They're now making the players essentially go to the sprinkler heads again that are on the golf course as we know and pace off their ball and take time. Mm -hmm. The same thing applies is during the practice rounds when the players are there acquiring knowledge about the golf course as in preparing to play it in the tournament. Mm -hmm knowing what the yardages are, knowing where the slopes are on the greens, knowing about how high the pitches are and all those things, right? Mm -hmm. They're now saying you can't write it down and take it with you to play. You have to either A, commit it to memory, right, or B, try to figure that out when you're playing. Well, guess what? Ain't happening. All these players are now used to having this kind of information because they're still playing for a large amount of cash. Uh -huh. So they're going to prepare as well as they can for every shot they can. Because every every ball counts, as you, as we know. Right. And every shot matters financially in a big way. So they are going to prepare. They've just created more slow play. And because the same people who are going to go with this rule, they're also the ones who actually don't issue any slow play penalties. Yeah, yeah, we've we've seen that happen or not happen, <clears throat> as the case may be. They put people on the clock. Yeah. But they don't actually issue the penalties. Yeah. So my yeah. question is is. I wonder what the TV people think about the slow play because they have time slots they have to work within. That's right. And they want to broadcast this event. That's and right. They're about to broadcast an event that isn't yet finished because it's going to be slow. It is going to be slow. So there we have it. Yeah. And, but, you know, it's not like 
the book takes the putt for you. No. And there's no difference between being able to look at a page in a book that says it's a three degree a three degree slope to the left, twelve feet away from the pin, and having it written down or, or looking at it and discerning that when you're there. Yeah. What we don't know is what are their reasons for this? We just hear that they're going to do it. What are their actual reasons for this? I've not read. Have you read? No. What their reasoning the thought process? Is? No. Yeah, like, well, we think that you shouldn't have that kind of information because the golf courses are getting beat up and they're too, you know, the scores are too low. No, they're not. They're the same stinking scores they've had before. Mm-hmm. The reasons that they're that they could be lower. How about the the advent of these monstrous athletes? Yeah. smashing a golf ball so far that they didn't used to smash it that far. And all of a sudden they have wedges into the greens instead of four irons. Yeah. Right. What, how about, how are they going to deal with that? I'm sorry. You're only allowed to be so strong. That's right. and you're only allowed to move a club so fast. Is that where they're going now? One day a week in the gym. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. You're no more. too strong. No more for you. That means that that's where, that's the biggest reason that people would say that the majority of the field is able to shoot a lower score and attack these golf courses in a different way. Yeah. Every player in the field, regardless of how strong or weak mm-hmm. or how long they hit it, how short they hit it, or whatever club they have, they have taken away the one thing that helps equalize the field. Yeah. And one thing that they're not taking into consideration that may also be a lot different in today's pro golfers as opposed to yesteryears and that's work ethic we can talk about that too when we come back because we are immediately if not sooner we are those weekend golf guys who hang out with us you want to see how great a golf instructor jeff smith really is it's very easy five dollar golf club.com the number five dollar golf club.com Back in the early 2000s, some department store here in town heard me talk about golf on my morning show on the radio, and they decided that they'd bring me a couple samples of Peter Millar golf shirts. I was hooked. They were absolutely phenomenal, probably the best looking and the most comfortable golf shirts I ever had. Not only does it feel wonderful, it looks fantastic, it helps protect you from sun, it fits great, it looks great, and you can wear it anywhere. I mean, it's not just for golf anymore, guys. Peter Millar, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to Peter Millar, that's M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash weekend. Check their stuff out. I will uh, guarantee you that you'll want some. And once you get one piece, yeah, you're going to be coming back more and more and more. It's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash weekend. And if you do buy something, you're going to get free shipping and a free hat. PeterMillar.com slash weekend. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text FUND, F-U-N-D, to 357-911 right now to get started. 
That's FUND, F-U-N-D, to 357 Auto financing the easy way. Text FUND to 357 Back again, John Ashton along with Jeff Smith, thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Great place to go. You can listen to every show we've ever done there. Anytime you miss one here on your local favorite radio station. If you were to go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. We're going to ask you to subscribe for money, a couple bucks maybe, maybe a dollar, maybe five dollars, but you've got some uh, some special stuff there, some bonus content, some uh, commercial-free versions of the podcast, some like a little thing of the video as we're recording this right now. You get uh, a little behind-the-scenes look at what's going on. Um, it's fun. Just check it out. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash golf guys. That would be us. Also, check us out on Facebook for free, facebook.com slash golfguys. Follow us on Twitter at WKND Golf Guys. And of course, do not be upset when you go to the website and see a sign on the podcast that says subscribe. That is totally free subscriptions if you just want to get the podcast in its all its resplendent glory as it was aired. Rules. We don't need yeah. no stinking rules, man. We got rules. We've got a whole tablet full of rules right here. Yeah. In the USGA rule book in my tablet. I know. What a wonderful little thing right there. Pick a category and we can yell about it. And it's got all kinds of various and sundry situations in which you might find yourself. Yeah. The Sunday after our live show, we were actually playing and, and Intrepid producer Mark attempted to play a ball as it lied, even though he was behind a tree. I'm like, yeah. Mark, you're either going to break your club or break your arms or your wrist. Please move it. I won't tell Jeff. And he did. And things he broke worked, his wrist. And things worked out <laughs> much better. Uh, but we all do that. One of the things about rules, Fuzzy Zeller, our main man, Fuzzy, he once said that it was ridiculous that golf was the only game in which the amateurs made the rules. For the professionals. For the professionals. Exactly. Right. I mean, you don't you don't see Little League setting up rules that Major League Baseball has to go by or AAU no, doing no. rules for the NBA or anything like that. But in right. golf, there are two governing bodies and one calls themselves royal and ancient and the other one is just as arrogant. But why bother? Why bother changing the rules, making up the rules and then tisk tisk tisking people who don't follow the rules? Some of them are so uh, how how you say ridiculous. Is that a good yeah, word to say? Some are, and and keep in mind that some of these rules, most of them have been thought of in terms of we're making this rule for competitive purposes, mm-hmm. either stroke play purposes mm-hmm. or match play purposes. Right. They didn't make them with the thought in mind of what's the average Joe going to go out and do on a Sunday. Right. They didn't think of those things. They had to make them in one set of rules that they had to be fair and equitable to everyone in the field if something happened. Like when Mark decides, hey, I hit my ball behind a tree and I'm going to move it mm-hmm. so that I'm not potentially broken-wristed, nor, but I, I can move it away right. and I'm in a significantly better place and I can have a significantly better outcome. If you're competing in a tournament for whatever the prize is, forget the, forget the fact that it could be money, but it's in a tournament, yeah. you're, you're negatively affecting everybody else in the field by doing that. Sure, yeah. So we say play it as it lies. 
okay, got it. You hit it there. You got to play it from there. I got it. Unless there's certain situations where you take a stroke penalty and drop yourself out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I get it. Some of the rules you and I look at for, since you don't compete in tournaments, John, Mm -hmm. that you think of many of the rules as, really? Why would I do that? Who cares? Mm -hmm. I'm here for fun, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And, And all of my rounds are that way. So why would I care about some of these rules? Well, because you're not trying to protect anybody else by virtue of your score that would have been significantly higher had you not broken that rule. I take offense at the word significantly, but okay, I get your point. But that's but that is it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I hear you. It happened to be. <laughs> but that's but see that's the purpose of them. That and and I think that at the beginning of this they should have said rules for competition, mm-hmm. and then almost everybody would say okay. Where's the rules for regular fun play? Right here, baby. Right in your uh-huh. own head. But that, see, that's what every amateur has done. Right. Is they've said, let's take these rules for competition and flush them. Yes. And let's take the rules that we think apply to our everyday game and act like they're still rules for competition, but there's some of them we just don't think is right. Right. Well, most of them. Or many of them. Well, you know, we go back to our favorite that we try to neglect when we're just out playing for grins and giggles, which is most of us most of the time. And that is ball in the water or lost ball in general. $350, $455 is enough of a penalty. We really shouldn't have to take two strokes also. You know, I just lost five bucks. I got to put another ball down. Give me a break. Right. We're moving on. And and from a pace of play standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Now they're changing a a rule about the, you know, lost stroke and distance penalty and all that stuff. Right. For the regular everyday play, just go throw one out where you think it was out. That's what people are doing. Yeah, that's what what everybody did anyway, unless they had a rules official with the walkie-talkie and the funky hat behind them. Let's not make fun of the hats. I got a big (laughs) hat and I wear it, okay? It's designed to keep my skin, right? (laughs) Sorry, struck a little Besides, too close to home. I don't use the walkie-talkies very much. I uh-huh. just use a cell phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, you know, so now they've got a rule, and it's going to be where you know it's a change to the stroke and distance for a lost ball. Mm-hmm. And here's when the part of it that I agree with: it'll certainly make things faster for those who actually followed the rule anyway. Yeah. Who's a ball actually go back? Yeah. But they didn't really make anything faster overall because there weren't anybody actually going back to the tea anyway how about this on a sunday morning right busy sunday morning uh-huh. tea times every nine minutes uh-huh. you're out there you pump one out of bounds and you go up there and you don't even know it's out of bounds or it's lost or whatever and you're out there and the guys are breathing down your neck yeah their hands on the hip and it behind you on the tee going come on that's it they go, got it teed up right? doing their now, little practice swings just waiting for the last guy in your group to hit that second shot and Right. Get kind of okay. out of the way. Yeah. So right now, that's you. Uh-huh. Right? You know that somebody's back there, hands on the hip and it at you. And are you going to take a ball <laughs> out of your bag and drop it and hit it? Or are you going to take that drive your cart back to the tee and go, fellas, yeah. sorry about that. I lost my ball and I have to follow the rules. So I had to come back here mm-hmm. and hit it again. You don't mind, do you? And then you proceeded to smack it out of bounds again. again. <laughs> right? 
And then you got to go back to your cart going, fellas, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I got to follow the rules. So I got to come back and I got to hit another one. You see my point. I hear you. Yes, indeed. I don't think anybody's doing that. No, let's hope not. But I So can... in this rule that they thought they were making to speed up play, yeah. to match whatever everybody else is doing, it's like, okay, you're finally on board with the rest of the planet on this one. That's right. Because <laughs> they're not doing it anyway. I can't guarantee you, however, if anybody did do that, they would be in the group in front of me on Sunday morning. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's just the way it works. I have been practicing at saying the word practicing. Not only can I talk about it, but I can actually do it. No, really. It is amazing. We're going to talk about practicing how best to do it and uh, when to do it, how to do it, and why to do it. When we come right back, we are those we can come. Gosh, hang on. A lot of us are looking for a miracle. You know, we go out and we buy a $500 golf club thinking it's going to give us straighter, longer drives. We buy a $150 golf club thinking it's going to get us out of the sand traps more easily and more often. We buy $200 golf clubs just because we want to get closer to that pin. Well, you know, you don't need a $500 golf club, a $200 golf club, a $150 golf club. All you need is a $5 golf club because the problem may not be the club. It may be your grip. It may be your stance. It may be your ball position. It may be your swing plane. It could be anything that an expensive golf club is not going to fix, but a $5 golf club can fix because Jeff Smith is a genius and he will be able to guide you where you need to go. Check it out, $5golfclub.com. That's all it costs, five bucks a month. It's us, those weekend golf guys, John Ashton here, Jeff Smith there, and uh, Jeff, of course, uh, is is a uh, wonderful golf instructor, one of the best you will ever see, work with, talk to, whatever, and as such, is a great proponent of the whole technique of actually taking what he tells you to do, understanding what he tells you to do, learning how to do what he tells you to do, and then going out and practicing what he tells you to do. You, sir, are my new publicist. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us, you know, we, we talk about practice rounds. And a lot of us say, yeah, I don't want to spend the money or the time just practicing because that takes away from the time I get to play. Yeah, but the, the other side of that is really simple. Mm-hmm. The guys who say that come back after that extra round of golf and they are frustrated because they didn't get better. Yeah. They think, okay, my practice time, I'm practicing when I'm on the golf course playing. No, you're not. You're trying to still write down. You're still trying to write down a number. Yeah. And feel like you did something well. You didn't really practice. All you did was do it again with something on the line, which didn't give you the practice that you were really truly after. You know, and, and let's say you've got problems with your fairway woods and someone goes to Jeff for help with the fairway wood. And Jeff, uh, I'm just making stuff up. Uh, Jeff's just, it's ball position. 
Um, your grip needs to change a little bit for the way you swing and your ball position needs to change a little bit. Here, do it this way. And you're in Jeff's studio or you're out on the practice tee at Jeff's golf course and bam, you hit that three wood and you go, wow, man, that is better than I've ever hit it before. And then you go play that Sunday and you're all full of vim and vinegar because you know how to hit that three wood and you're on your par five and you're maybe 220 yards away and you go, I got a chance now that I learned from Jeff how to hit this sucker to get it on in two. And you pull out the three wood and you sit up there all full of confidence and you remember everything Jeff tells you to do and you think you're doing it right. You take a swing, you hit the ball, it goes nowhere. Just like it used to do. Well, you don't then have the option, or let's say it goes 100 yards or whatever. You then don't have the option that you have on the practice tee to put another ball down and do it again. And then put another ball down and do it again until you get it right. You don't get a chance to try to practice that shot again until the next par five you come to. Which means you only got two or three of those around. Two or three around. So here's the deal. We get better by continually doing something. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nobody in the world that would think that they could dribble a basketball in the game under the pressure of the game and somebody defending them if they've never worked on their ball handling and dribbling skills mm-hmm. in the gym. Right. They wouldn't do it. No. They wouldn't go downhill ski racing in a tournament in a competition they wouldn't get in those nascar things and go zipping in and out of those flags without practicing how to do it Mm -hmm. they wouldn't play tennis against someone else if they didn't practice hitting the tennis ball into a spot and expect anything to turn out well but with golf just wouldn't it seems to be like we just we just kind of i'm sorry with golf we just kind of decide it's i don't know is it genetic uh, you figure that uh, it, it is as easy as it looks? I don't know. Well, see, that's the thing, is that it looks easy because let's just look at it for, for an example, all right? Now, you tell me if when you watch golf on television and you see Fred Couples play golf, you tell me that that looks hard. He just turns his body, he's got his arms up in the air, turns his body again, swings his club on the ground, and bam, it goes 300 yards right up the middle. Yep. Right? And he just lazy looking. He just kind of goes, oh, this is easy. I just make everything look easy because he's just that gifted of a guy. Guess Mm -hmm. what? He worked at it hard to get He's an anomaly. Right? He did. He worked at it really hard. Yeah. But yet when they watch a guy like that, and he's so fluid and so smooth and so easy. And he looks like Ernie Els does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and they're like, fine, I'm just standing here, turn and swing and bash. And it goes where I want. I smile and hand my club to my caddy and I walk and I shake hands. And I sign autographs and I get lots of money to do that. And it looks really easy. And it's really, really disheartening for an awful lot of people who don't do that, can't do it that way mm-hmm. it's and then and then they go well i should be able to do the same thing that's that's where it comes from is they've seen it look too easy yeah you know yeah bunch of guys, bunch of guys taking a stroll yapping at each other smoking cigars having a good time on the golf course without somebody else carrying their clubs it just everything looks easy when they watch it on tv 
Well, that's why I have come to the to the conclusion that that is why they had a the best in the business ever, Ken Venturi in the tower for PGA coverage, and now Sir uh, Nick Faldo. Nick, Nick Faldo, yeah. They are there for one reason. Credibility. To talk about how difficult it is because it looks so damn easy. That's right. That's right. They have and to. And they do a nice job of Oh, that. they do, they, man. They lend the, they, they lend the credibility to that. Mm-hmm. difficult part of the game mm-hmm. because otherwise people go come on golf looks easy what are you yeah, kidding me these exactly. guys aren't athletes at all look john daly can make a bunch of money drinking beer and smoking cigars on the golf yeah that i can too right it, it just looks too easy they don't feel like they have to practice because it looks too easy yeah um one of the things that happened in this round on sunday we played after our live show in town is uh and again this comes from your expert tutelage and finally getting rid of my stubborn streak and breaking down and spending a couple of hours practicing instead of playing every now and again. Practice. Practice. You talking about practice? I'm talking about practice. Not not a game. No, not, no, a not, game. not a game. Not a game. You talking about you talking about practice. I don't even go to the pro shop. I just kinda <laughs> take the clubs out the car and I go to the practice chipping and putting and all that kind of area and bam. Practice. One of the things I did, it was a par four, and I hit a marvelous drive. Marvelous. Had a little bit of a of a draw to it. But it wound up about smack dab in the middle of the fairway, about 74 yards from the green. And nice. I took a pitching wedge, and I put it on the green about 12 feet from the pin. Very nice. The comment that is apropos here is one of the guys I was playing with said, man, you, you didn't even hit that thing. No, I didn't. I didn't swing hard. Didn't have to. I just swung smooth. And right. It looks like. But now, do you know how much practice it takes to talk yourself out of swinging hard? <laughs> A lot. Yeah. A lot. When you practice doing it right instead of practice doing it how you've always done it. Marvelous oh, things. It's a whole can lot happen. more fun in it. Practice though. things. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. So uh, No doubt about it. That practice thing pays off, man. But the whole thing when you talked about Freddie Couples and Ernie Els, I mean I just you know, about a three quarter backswing and just nice smooth and follow through and it didn't get terribly high. But it did go the whole distance to the green, and when it got there, it bounced once, and then it hit the second time, and it started to slow down substantially. I believe they call that checking up in the golf biz. Yeah, that's what I said. No one was more surprised than me. I'm just the only one in the group that didn't show it. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) You just acted like, yeah, I do that all the time. That's exactly how I, and everybody else is going, whoa! How did you, who are you? That kind of thing, you know? That's funny. Um, but that's. And you just act like you've been there before. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you just kind of. Well, that's on. the whole thing, right? Don't you have to do that? Don't you just, you know, act like you've been some. Exactly. Like you've you just walk up, you mark your ball, go, I'm laying two. What are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> you have to get that little obnoxious dick in there at the end. Yeah. You know. Really? And then we yep, go. I'm putting for three. Yeah. And then when you walk uh, off with a five, you go say, I got to go back and see Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Three wiggles from five or 12 feet. I 
think I, I think I'm missing something here. Yeah. 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 Hit the first putt the right speed, would you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly what you want to do. All right, so, man. you know, as we talk about practice mm -hmm. and, you know, people ask me all the time, what do you do when you get to the golf course, right? Yeah. What, what's your, what's your, what's your what routine? You yeah. Well, we've and, got, and we've really, got another seg segment coming up. Why don't we talk about that? Because good we've idea. got about 30 seconds left to this. Again, check us out, thoseweekendgolfguys.com, uh, facebook.com slash golfguys. Follow us on Twitter at WKND Golf Guys. And if you'd really like to get some behind the scenes stuff, some inside radio stuff or inside baseball, whatever you want to call it, uh, patreon.com slash golf guys. That's P A T R E O N dot com slash golf guys. Hang out with us because why? We will be right back. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golf guys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us. And you want to make us real happy, facebook.com slash golf guys. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit? Doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce? It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text FUND, F-U-N-D, to 357-911 right now to get started. That's FUND, F-U-N-D, to 357-911. Auto financing the easy way. Text FUND to 357-911. Okay, I'm sure you know the name Peter Millar. Peter Millar designs makes and sells the most comfortable golf wear ever and it's not just golf wear man i mean they've got pants and shorts and shirts polo shirts and regular shirts like i'm wearing a performance polo right now from peter millar and i've been wearing peter millar stuff since the early 2000s way before they ever said hey we'd like to advertise on your radio show so trust me when I tell you this, it is the most comfortable stuff you will ever find, whether you're going to wear it on the golf course, which is cool because it helps protect you from the sun, or a little business lunch, or networking uh, activities, or whatever it is you're doing, the Peter Millar clothing is going to fit right, and it's going to fit in. I want you to go over right now to PeterMillar.com. That's M-I-L-L-A-R.com slash weekend. Check out their stuff. If you use our name, which is weekend, that's PeterMillar.com slash weekend. You'll get free shipping and a free hat. PeterMillar.com slash weekend. If I were you, I'd go there right now. It is us, those weekend golf guys, John Ashton, along with Jeff Smith. We've been talking about practicing. I have had an aversion to practicing my entire life, and most of us have. Most of us who are amateur golfers who don't break 80, don't break 90 on a regular basis, whatever your number is, you can't get there. It's because you're not practicing. 
Jeff said something to me on Sunday that I have written down. Actually, he already has it written down. I think we should mass produce this poster, buddy, and offer it to everybody who wants one. That's a good idea. Go ahead. Impart this wisdom. I work with all of my students on a couple of things. Once we get their technique and their understanding of what it is, we start with their concept of what they understand they have to accomplish. Mm -hmm. We work on their technique, and then here it comes. Good players practice until they get it right. Right. Great players practice until they can't get it wrong. That, and that's the difference between the okay player who just understands what he's got to get done, but really never practices enough to be a good player. Right. And then those good players that tell me for sure that they're committed and they want to be great players. And then we give them a whole different practice routine because then they practice till they can't get it wrong. Those differences in those players are miles apart because the great players, yeah, they got it, but they want to have it under the, all the pressure in the world and they want to have it that they can't screw the thing up because it costs them what they want. And many of those players are the ones that are turning professional and they hit thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands oh. of the shot that they're trying to perfect. Innumerable. I mean, you know, blisters on my fingers and all that kind of stuff practice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a little hardcore for many of us. Uh, it's more of a time commitment than many of us have, but you can't just blow it off by saying, I don't have the time. Uh, like I said, if you give up one round now and again and just practice what you're working on, your next round is going to be much more fun. You know, one of the things I tell people, look, practice for two hours and play nine. You satisfy both things. Mm -hmm. And then the nine holes you play, you can actually work on the shots that you were practicing and you get better at certain things. And then what happens is, is that your mentality of the time that you're out there on the nine holes is, hey, I've just worked on these skills. I'm much more confident while I'm doing it while I'm on the golf course. Mm -hmm. And then the brain is in a whole better place because you've hit enough shots. Yeah. You've practiced the bunker shots. You've practiced the chips, the pitches, the putts, the tee shots. And then all of a sudden you go to the golf course and you're much more confident when you stand on the tee. So in the same amount of time, you could practice some and play some. Mm -hmm. instead of going out to play the whole time and wind up getting frustrated. Right. Scratch both itches, as it were. Yeah. yeah. When you go to a golf course, because, I mean, you're on a golf course every day, but you probably play golf less than I do. Oh, absolutely. I binge golf. The only time I play golf is when I go on a vacation. Yeah. That's so it. when you get to a course, yeah, you know exactly what to do. You know your game. You know how to do it. Yep. But you still have to get in the rhythm. You still have to get acclimated. No, no doubt about it. What kind of a routine do you do personally when you show up at a golf course? Well, the, the, the first thing that I do and the most important thing to me is simply this. I want to know the speed of the green. Okay. I really want to score well. So I'll drop a few balls and I'll chip okay. and I'll chip from different areas, uphills, downhills, side hills, and I'll chip to things and I'll watch it roll out. And then I'll take a few balls and I'll wander onto the green with my putter, and I'll just pop them one-handed, feel the amount of roll, see it. Mm -hmm. How did it roll out? How much effort did I give it? How much did I roll it out? And I'll putt them up hills, down hills, across the hills, and I'll see the roll out, and then I'll start to putt longer putts to see if I can stop at the right place. Sometimes I'll even take you know four or five balls and stand in one spot and putt to different places on the fringe, you know, yeah. like a semicircle around me. Mm -hmm. And so I've got different length putts and then I'll drop my hat or something right where I was standing and then take all those putts from where they are now and putt right back to the hat. And so I work on my speed control. Then 
I'll go around the hole and I'll start putting two foot putts and three foot putts to make them. And I'll circle the hole and I'll do that. All right. Then I'll stand and loosen up my swing without golf balls. Mm-hmm. So that way I'm feeling good about my swinging motion. And then I'll go to the driving range and I'll hit some golf balls and I'll watch them in the air and I'll hit a few shots. I'll hit some full swing wedges. I'll hit some half swing wedges. I'll hit a few six irons and then I'm going to hit some tee shots. I'm going to hit hybrid tee shots because that's about the length of golf course that I play and I want to see my hybrids flying straight in the air. Mm -hmm. And then I'll hit some drivers and I'll watch them fly in the air and I'll hit them straight. And then I'm going, okay, I'm feeling good about that. But most of the time that I'm going to spend is on and around the green. That's, that's how I'm prepping for a round of golf. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the scoring part. That's yeah. how you can get on, get on in two and walk off in five, you know? <laughs> and it's always really frustrating because most of us, when we have a non-par score, we can always look back and say, okay, this is the shot I screwed up. It was, it was that second shot with the seven iron. I didn't hit it anywhere near as straight as I thought I could. Or I screwed up the drive right off and then was scrambling to fix that from the beginning. Or right. if I could have gotten that chip just a little bit closer. Those things you should write down because we have a tendency to forget them because we try to forget them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We block them out. Block it out. But write it down and say, listen, this is the stuff you need to work on. Uh, in Out of 18 holes, I missed seven chips. Okay. How many putts did you miss? Missed 17 putts. Well, maybe you should work on your putting. And then work on your chipping and don't go to the driving range with the driver in your hand and see how far you can smack the ball because that's not going to help you right now. It'll help you, know, you later, you but after the, you get you those know, other things down. That's right. You could go if you practice with purpose, like you're essentially saying that. Mm-hmm. Let's go analyze the game and let's go practice. And, and I learned this a long time ago from Greg Norman is that he would spend the most amount of time practicing the shots that cost him the most Mm-hmm. when he played in tournaments. Mm-hmm. The ones that he would have the most often, he would practice those the most. And it was outstanding because he then got terrific at the shots that he had all the time. And so those shots were better. And the shots that he rarely had any of, he wouldn't practice much of this. For example, I don't have many seven irons off of a par three tee. Okay. I just don't have many, right? Okay. So I don't practice many seven irons unless I'm playing a golf course that puts me at that distance a lot. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll think of where I'm playing and I'll look at the scenario and I'll go, okay, I'm probably going to have a lot of hybrids today. Longer golf course. So drivers, hybrids, and a lot of wedges. Why a lot of wedges? Because I'm going to miss a lot of greens mm-hmm. if I got to hit hybrids into them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The shots I'm going to have a lot. So if you pay attention to the golf course that you go to, and let's say it's the same one every day, right? Let's just say that you're that guy and you got a golf course and you love playing there and you don't see any point in driving someplace else. So you bought yourself a membership and you're really happy doing it. Okay. So, you know, I love getting to the golf course and practicing the shots that I have the most because mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to be really confident that I'm going to have that shot on the golf course and I have practiced it. So my brain on the golf course goes, Hey, you just hit a bunch of those. Things are good. I stand over the shot. Maybe it's a 60-yard pitch shot because, you know what, I'm playing a long golf course, going to have a lot of hybrids in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to you know, have to lay it up. But I've got a bunch of pitches. So if I practice on a long golf course when I get there and I know I'm not going to hit a ton of greens because maybe it's just too long, right? Right. And I'm going to have long irons in. And generally speaking, we don't hit it all that great when we hit our longest clubs in. 
well, I'm going to work on all my chips, my bunker shots, my pitches, all those things. I'm going to get it up and down like crazy. Not only when I get it up and down like crazy on the golf course, but it also makes hitting into a green from that far out less stressful because I worked on that stuff. Yeah. It makes you a little freer to make that swing with that long iron or that hybrid or that three wood or four wood or whatever. Exactly. It makes it lots easier. Yeah. And so for most of us, practice the shots you're going to use the most. You know, get in between those two trees yeah. and try to get out. <laughs> yeah. There's truth in that, right? Yeah. Head to the driving range. And, yeah. and you know, back in the evening, most driving ranges have some trees on the side. Mm -hmm. Why not go throw it in there? Or sometimes you practice on the golf course in the afternoon. Yeah. When there's nobody else around late in the afternoon, early evening. And then all of a sudden, put yourself in those positions. Yeah. Go throw a couple balls down. Hit some shots out of those things. Yeah. Work on that shot. Make it so you're like, oh, yeah, I've done this before. Yeah, even if it's not a shot that you really have all that often, it's a confidence level thing. In sure. I mean, John, think about this. You have hit so many balls into the trees that you are uber confident. I know how to get out of them because you, have, you know how to get out of them. I know how to get out. This, this is not a problem. No, no, sir. <laughs> no. In fact, sometimes I put it into the trees on purpose now, just because well, I know how to get out so well. You know, some of us do it for the shade. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a pretty bad sunburn always being out in the middle of the fairway. Yeah, I hear you. I'll chuck one into the, I'll chuck one into the trees. I just need a little cool down. Just for a little respite. Hey, we're about to make some, um, some big changes here with those weekend golf guys. Just want to let you know that we are... Uh, joining a very large sports radio network. But that's coming up. A lot of great, interesting, fun people will be on with us. And um, you'll be able to catch us on uh, the SB Nation Sports Radio Network or right here where you're at right now and always at thoseweekendgolfguys.com, facebook.com slash golfguys. Follow us on Twitter at WKNDGolfguys. Check out patreon.com slash golfguys. And uh, go to the website, and we've got a little thing there. You want to leave a message, you want to ask Jeff a quick question or whatever, you can do that through voicemail, and we'll play it on the air. Check it out, thoseweekendgolfguys.com. Go practice. Figure out what you don't do good, and go do it gooder. Practice. And then go play some golf. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.